0: Hello, and welcome to Boz to the Future. Conveniently, I'm Boz. I'm here today with one of my absolute favorite people, uh, and anyone who knows me knows this is true, Fiji Simo is here. You know her because she is uh, globally uh, a superstar in technology for leading the Facebook family of apps, Uh, Facebook app, the newsfeed, stories, groups, video, marketplace, gaming, news, dating all under uh, what we call Big Blue, the Facebook app. Um, but that's not the whole story. Now, she is the CEO of Instacart. Now, <laughs> I have to be up front here. We recorded the rest of this conversation way back before her big news came out. But I still think this conversation with her is great and worth sharing. I'm very proud of her, uh, but it is very bittersweet. Um, you know, she was someone who I loved working closely with and we really have been through a great deal together. Uh, but of course I'm still very excited for her. Uh, and I can't wait to see, see what she does over at Instacart. They are certainly incredibly lucky to have her at the helm. Fiji, uh, and I first met working on the ads business and I got to tell the story. It's an embarrassing story for me. And those of you who follow my blog, uh, you know, that's my favorite type of story to tell, um, the, f- the first time I really met Fiji, I would talked to Fiji when I started working in ads. The first time I really met Fiji uh, <laughs> was we were in New York at a meeting with clients. And it was a long day. It was a grueling kind of day. It was, it maybe it was two days and just clients back to back to back, almost no breaks. And it was wearing on us. It was not just me. It was a, a set of uh, product people that were with me. Um, and ostensibly... You know, I'm kind of the more senior person in the room. No, not in this room. I wasn't. Fiji ran this room. She was amazing with the clients. She was amazing with us. And at some point, you know, we just lost focus. We really, I mean, we were, had kind of, kind of you build up inside jokes. You're in a room all day. We had kind of notes. That we were trying to pass back and forth. No, nothing super unprofessional, but just like you we weren't focused on the meeting. And of course, for the client, this is a big meeting. And for us, we're like, this is our 19th meeting. And we just, we weren't used to that. We were a bunch of, you know, tech product losers like you know trying to play business um and fiji took us you know proverbially behind the woodshed and just took us out and she was right she was 100 percent right she absolutely laid into us She's like hey you got a, every meeting you show up 100 percent energy and of course she was right um that was literally my, that's my, that was my real introduction, uh, to the powerhouse that is Fiji. She was hundred percent right. It was good advice. Then it's good advice. Now advice I never lost track of. Uh, and then Fiji of course went on to, to, um, rise through the ranks, uh, and, and run the whole thing. Uh, and so thank you for joining me Fiji. Uh, and if I do something wrong in this podcast, I know you'll set me straight.
1: (laughs) Thanks for having me buzz. I love that story.
0: People, uh, underestimate how, uh, how strong I think you are you come up as as a as somebody who's this powerful woman. you were always that powerful woman you were that woman before you were in power like that was <laughs> that's one of my one of my favorite things about about you um you also it's not just that of course, and you've also been recognized you're you know forty under forty fortune uh you know fast companies most creative people in business uh tenth most influential French person in the world by Vanity Fair. Uh, co-founded Women in Product, uh, a nonprofit to help women uh, do uh, reach leadership positions in product management, um, and as if that wasn't enough, you're also a mother, uh, and we, you know, certainly enjoy spending time together with the kids. And I'm gonna try to get, I'm gonna try to tie some things into parenting a little later on in in the program. Um, but up top, I want to do this actually. So one thing I've been doing to everybody is I do this intro with you because I have a great story, uh, kind of our origin story. But I hate doing intros for people because I just covered all these checkbox things, and it feels like it's not the thing. How do you introduce when, when you are introducing yourself to somebody, and you want you want them, you want to flex a little bit, like you want them to know what you're <laughs> about? How, like, is there something I'm missing? What's the thing that you how you identify yourself?
1: Mm, that's a good question. You know, the thing I identify myself with the most is actually that I'm like daughter, granddaughter, great granddaughter of fishermen, and mm-hmm. I. I come from a family where no one even graduated from high school. So a big part of my journey was actually, you know, dreaming big, having an American dream, uh, studying hard, and then coming to the States to uh, kind of pursue big ambitions. And certainly my American dream has, has uh, become true. Uh, but it's uh, it's such a big part of who I am to have kind of the grit to achieve big things and also really believe that uh, better things are possible, even when everybody around you tells you that you don't belong there.
0: Now, you've got to just, I think it's so great. Can you talk about the the sport that is popular in your hometown in south of France?
1: <laughs> yes. I have to bring you there at some point. I
0: want to go so badly.
1: So my, my hometown in, uh, in France is called Set, and it has these beautiful canals. And there's this sport that has been played there called boat jousting. It's been played there for centuries at this point. And it's two wooden boats just crossing each other with people at the top of, uh, you know, kind of... a a little thing at the top of the boat uh, with a spear and a shield, and they just have to push themselves in the water. It's incredibly dangerous because the yeah. spear is like very pointy, metal, horrible mess, and so obviously a lot of times you miss the shield and you end up in the eye of the opponent, which is not not a good thing. So it's very, very grandiose as a sport, and uh, every time I have visitors I uh, take them takes them to see the show. It's over the summer. It's very, very fun.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is not a sport that we would even allow to happen in the United States. <laughs> like that would just be, <laughs> we just wouldn't let it to happen. Um, So I think you, I think you know this, um, but for the listeners uh, who are new, perhaps the concept yeah. is whenever I do podcasts, and I'm sure the same happens to you with, uh, with members of the press, the media, it's great, but a lot, their incentive is to cover a lot of ground. They want to ask about 10, 20 things and you just run out of time. Uh, The premise of this one, I wanted to have a podcast where you just do, you sit on something, you really explore how deep you can go on something. Um, And so far I found it really satisfying, actually. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more how we work, to be honest. Like we don't, you know, we certainly have a lot going on, but you, you know, you sit and dedicate time and resources to one thing to really explore it. I, I, I think I'd just be missing a huge opportunity here not to explore creators with you. I don't know if I don't know of anybody who's spent more time thinking about it, who's more plugged in with creators. Um, so I want to talk to you about creators, and there's a bunch of facets to this. There's obviously there's a there's a, a fragmentation of traditional media that used to gatekeep. There's a how they build businesses and monetize. Um, there's also okay, what what are the incentives that it creates for creators? So there's a bunch of areas here within the space of creators. Actually, I don't want to start off this thing um, to with my own my own kind of opinions, when I think you are the expert, you've been spending a ton of time with creators. What are the top things you're observing about the modern era, uh, as and you know how it's different from the past and where you think it's going?
1: Yeah. So, you know, the thing that's really interesting to me is that for a very long time people were creative and had a passion um that was kind of considered a hobby and it was like oh great you're creative like go play with a band in your garage like on weekends and like go get a real job in the meantime and uh, and I always found that very sad. I mean, you, you know, I'm an artist in my spare time, I paint. And, and you know, I definitely growing up at the same time where I was like, yeah, being an artist is just not going to be a path. Um, and so the thing that I'm seeing change is that we are making it a natural career uh, path. And that's why in my mind, it's so tied to monetization and building a business, uh, which, you know, you and I have spent a lot of time on. Because um, fundamentally, if you want to have a real creative economy, if you really want to have all these creative people thinking of it not just as a passion, but as something they can turn into a lifestyle and the thing that they do day to day, you need you need a business that goes along with it. So to me, that's the biggest change that is happening. Um, I would say even, you know, in the... When I started in video uh, six years ago, uh, you really only had like the top breakout creators really being able to make a living out of it. Um, And that was always sad because like for people who uh, went down that path, you knew that it was going to be very, very hard for the vast majority of them to make a living out of this. And what we're seeing change with a variety of different business models emerging for creators, not just one, but many different business models models is that now different types of creators can get, uh, can get a career pass out of it. So that's, that's one big trend. The second trend that I am super excited about is that because there are business models now emerging, like subscriptions, like tipping, that do not require you to have a very large audience, but require you to have a very niche, very engaged audience we can actually see a new crop of creators that are gonna go very deep on some topics and therefore have more diversity of creators than we've ever seen before, because if you need to be a creator that has hundreds of millions of views, you're gonna to have to appeal to the masses. But if you can monetize with ten thousand people, you can go very niche and really help like you know um uh, a smaller audience and then the last trend I would tell you is like the best creators are community builders. And in my mind, I'm seeing creators and community overlap more and more. And, you know, I'm spending a lot of time thinking about community more generally. Um, And so to me, like the next uh, sort of crop of community leaders are also going to be creators. And, and I think that's an interesting intersection to explore.
0: You know, it's funny. I just got back from the first time I've ever taken my kids to Disneyland. And, uh, and it was so fascinating. You know, Uh, certainly Walt Disney understood intellectual property really well and, and uh, and pioneered it. Um, And, and it, we all kind of benefit from that. I really like the franchises that they've built and uh, it created this kind of desire to have franchises, right? Like it it was more, you could have a property, but if it wasn't a franchise, then it was just a one shot thing. Whereas if you build a franchise, that's something that can live a long time. Um, And what's, what's really become fascinating to me in that community lens is the degree to which, now the big shift, even for people who would be building franchises, is, the w- is not franchises from the traditional IP sense. It's franchises from the community sense. Yes, like you really want, like you want the Trekkies, you want Star Wars fanatics, you want, yes. uh, you want, you want people who are uh, so fanatic about it that it almost becomes an identity piece. And then the content isn't even the point anymore. It's it's the content is a rallying point. Yes, um, it's a selection bias that says, hey, if you love Battlestar Galactic as much as I did, you're in. And then the community is the point. Yes. And, uh, and, and it was really interesting to see when I went to Disneyland how much a lot of the energy around, for example, Galaxy's Edge, the planet of Batu, is like it was just being formed by the community. Like you had to read Reddit yeah. to understand what the hell was going on there. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, it, it, and, it, and the, but that was the benefit. Like it was like it was an insight. It was like a, a big gift, a big public grandiose gift to a com, to a really niche community um, and it's very interesting to me to so so here you've got the reason I bring the Disneyland thing up is you've got these are trends that are so massive that the biggest IP holders in the world now are changing their approach to their businesses to lean into these trends.
1: Yes. And and, you know, you said something interesting about the community the IP. It's like there's a, a loop there happening where so much of the content in the future is actually going to be created by the community. I mean, we've seen yeah. that with remixes. We've seen that with fan fiction in literature. Uh, we are yeah. definitely seeing that in Korea with K-pop, where as much of the content about a band is created by the community than by the ba- band itself. Um, and I think that's really interesting for creators because... There is a big theme in the creator community around burnout, which is that if you want to really create a lot of, uh, if you want to, you know, be successful, you have to constantly create content after content after content, which is very hard. But if you are also a good community builder, you can actually have the community create content for that universe and, and therefore think of it as like content from the creator and the community combined.
0: Yeah, you got you got ahead of me uh, there, which, which is, community, is the creator burnout point, which is an interesting one. Um, I do suspect we are, the generation that we're in, frankly, probably already looks at it this way. The generations ahead of us certainly do. They're like, this isn't a real job. Uh, you know, that's the perspective I think so many people would have on, especially video, you know, insofar as you've got video game influencers, and it just seems like, oh, you're getting paid to play a video game. It sounds amazing. And then you realize, like, if you look at what these guys are doing in terms of the hours they're putting in, oh, yeah. not just to do the streams, but then to do the, the you know contests, then to do the commitments, then they have to actually stay in touch with the fans or they get see- like it's it seems it actually does not seem like an easy job to be a creator given the demands these audiences have. Would you agree?
1: I completely agree. I mean, you talk to every creator, and that's like a top problem for them. It's like it's a passion, but the amount of content that needs to be produced, uh, especially if you have business models around ads, for example, that do require very large audiences uh, and, you know, you monetize purely based on revenue share on ads. Uh, you've got to be cranking a lot of content and that's a huge problem. And so I think um, the point I was making earlier is like community is kind of a, a way to relieve that pressure because your community can take over for you and just, continue to have the rest of uh, your audience engage with you in ways that do not constantly ask you to produce content. And it's interesting you mentioned uh, live game streaming because it was kind of the first format Mm. where content and community were impossible to distinguish. I mean, fundamentally, uh, the best gamers. They play the game, but they talk to the community and they react to what's happening in the chat live. And, and I do think it creates this virtuous cycle of uh, you know not not having to produce content all the time.
0: Yeah, I also man, I was watching after our conversation, uh, live conversation. I watched Fierce Diva play some Fortnite the other day. And it's like, it's not easy. Like You're playing a game here and trying to also engage with the community on the other side. I'm not good it's enough crazy. to play the game by itself almost at this <laughs> point compared to how, how good uh, everyone is these days.
1: Um, yeah, no, you know, it's it's insane i mean i i have people like when i talk to gamers it's always like, they're like oh my god when we start to see drama happening in the chat and we have to moderate the drama while trying not to get killed in the game it's, <laughs> totally. uh, it's like totally crazy so yes it's uh that's when you realize like you know a lot of people are saying oh these guys are just playing video games it's actually a real skill set to be not just a great gamer yeah. but a great entertainer and that's that's real's heel.
0: Yeah, I do suspect that is a missing piece. Uh, it's always been hard. I, I love your framing at the top actually around that where it's like um, there's always been talented people, tons of talented people, talents everywhere. Uh, yeah. we've, you know Because we've cut out a bunch of bottlenecks uh, around traditional media and who gets access to uh, publishing and who gets access to an audience, it makes total sense. With fewer bottlenecks, consumers have more choice. Uh, of Of where they can spend their time uh, across you know not just uber celebrities in movies and TV shows but but on the way down and and um, likewise, creators have more access to markets. so there's something wonderfully elegant about that. Let me talk to the dark side of it. you know it's all fine and good for this kind of uh, niche fragmentation you describe when we're talking about you know I'm a model train enthusiast uh, or you, if you take me, I'm a photography enthusiast and in particular I like I'm very interested in kind of old lenses, old glass old equipment um, and there's a very small community there uh thankfully, Matt Jacobson is the one who introduced me to that community and he he works with me so so I've got one good <laughs> in it's small no one's there's no harm there that's fine, but I think you and I both know that when we are start living in more and more fragmented communities, and I think the creator drama you mentioned is like the the beef between fan bases or between uh you know creators is actually indicative of this, people can live in in very disconnected worlds. We're not all brought together by the same TV show, the same movie, we have the same newspaper, same TV show, same movies, we have the same media. It makes us feel like we are closer together than we really are. Like you're really into beekeeping, I'm really into you know trance, like it's not the same, but like we feel like we must be kind of in the same zone. To some degree, this change in the creator community exposes a reality that's always been there, which is that we are actually very different and we have very different tastes. On one hand, it is a celebration of that, which I love, On the other hand, what do you think of the risks that come with that? This is obviously a big part of your job as uh, well—is thinking through the risks of these communities not having any connection to each other.
1: Yeah, it's it's so interesting because um, you know I talk to my cousins who are only ten years younger than me, and they literally—I do not know anything about their media bias. <laughs> like they tell me names and i'm just like i'm so old i don't get it like it's, yeah. it's just bizarre and and when i talk about like popular celebs they are like oh yeah you're indeed old <laughs> and so uh it's it's really really interesting in terms of the risk you know uh there's this concept as you know of um uh, bonding communities which is like bonds within the same community and bridging communities which is bonds across different communities and I think the advantage that uh, that we're seeing in people really belonging to many communities not just one but many is that when you end up belonging to 10 communities whether it's like you know your uh, the Parents of uh, um, kids at your school, at at your kid's school, uh, your favorite passion, your uh, local neighborhood, like all of the communities in your life, you end up... By definition, meeting people that are on the opposite side of one of the divides that that society has. Someone of different religions, someone of different races, someone with different tastes. And... um, I've seen that in Facebook groups uh, a lot where, you know, my favorite example is that uh, there's this uh, community leader who created a group for parents uh, as uh, their children leave the nest. And what she was saying is that the level of solidarity in this group is insane. Like there was one of the kids that got into a car accident while the mom was flying there from across the country. Some members of the group were actually going to the hospital to make sure that the kid was okay. Um, and she, what she was telling me is that the people in our group would never sit together around the Thanksgiving table. They don't share the same politics. They don't share the same religions, but they are united by one thing, which is like, they certainly love their kids and they know what it is to be a parent. And so, um, we're seeing that over and over again, where we're not going to be able, like, you know, with obviously all of our community standards, we prevent the, the clear, like bad stuff, uh, but we're not going to be able to entirely prevent people, you know, liking different things. However, by connecting them to all the different communities that matter in their lives, we're actually helping them get exposed to very different kinds of people.
0: Yeah. And, and one of the things that I think, so I love this as somebody who was kind of on the internet as a kid and felt a kinship with people on the internet that was hard for me to find in high school for whatever reason, because I was, you know, into tech or nerdy or because of whatever the thing was. Um, so I, I really like that. Um, but I do also worry about like the fracture of like, for example, physically local communities, which feels like a special kind of community. Like it feels like a community that you had, it's like, it's a special kind, you know, it's like, it's unique of all that we can talk about the types of, of interest-based or belief-based or faith-based communities. And like, this is a different kind. It's like, I have to see these people. <laughs> I just <laughs> I live next to them. Um, and so, you know, for me, this is, you know, I do, I do kind of find myself wondering where it all leads. Um, though my suspicion is that as you give people more connectivity, um, the bonds, I think the technology we have now strengthens bonds, within communities that I might otherwise not even be considered a part of. Now I can find it and be truly a part of it, bonded to it. Um, I, but the focus does perhaps turn to bridges. Like what do you do to bridge across communities, uh, in a way that, that feels healthy and natural? Um, you know, the, what we're, this is, this is actually is, is uh, a bit a tangent, but also kind of, I actually think it's more connected than people realize. One of the interesting things here is to me business model. And I'll bring that up because, um, there's a degree of skepticism, right, about I, sorry, I mentioned already skepticism about creators making money. but There's also skepticism of like the value creation here. I mean, are we just talking about entertainment? Like what are the other What you know, how do you see this playing out for creators right now? Entertainment seems like the number one place that you're seeing it. You're seeing it with dancers and musicians on uh, TikTok and Instagram reels. You're seeing it with comedians. You're seeing it with gamers Right now, it seems like it's an education. Do you think it's going to go beyond, or entertainment? Do you think it's to, I, I hinted at my own thoughts here. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean to. Uh, do you think it's going to move beyond entertainment, This, this, these ideas of creators?
1: Yes. And I think it's going to, like, the reason it's so tied to entertainment right now is because the way creators emerge was primarily through video formats, you know, and, and video lends itself very well to entertainment uh but i think when you tie uh content and community together you start seeing other types of uh things emerging so for example during the pandemic fitness instructors uh became absolutely massive on facebook uh and they all use our product called paid online events where you basically set up classes uh and and like people can pay to to attend them, so there's a huge health and fitness community uh, that in in the creator uh, space that's that's doing that. There's also a huge uh, mental health uh, community where i've t- I've talked to a lot of creators that are actually former psychologists who are, uh, you know, taking their skills, bringing them online to a lot more people. And because they know how to nurture a community, nurturing community around mental health, uh, food is just exploding. And I think food is, you know, partially entertainment. We do watch yeah. that for for uh, the show, but we all like there's also a utility to it with a lot of people uh, wanting to reproduce the recipes and things like that. So I think because the business model, you point are evolving and we are letting people who have a much stronger intent than just you know i'm just going to sit back and relax but have an intent to either take a class or have an intent to like cook a a recipe with a chef uh because the model business models are there now we are seeing people uh, and creators that tend to be more utility driven or education driven uh really jump into the fray and Obviously, journalists is another example yeah, of that, totally. uh, where information is uh, absolutely uh, critical and, and something that we're also seeing benefit from the lack of um, of um, uh, barriers to, to access people.
0: Yeah, it, you're right. Being informed is certainly a job that's already being done this way. Yeah, I love that point. You know, Peloton. I, I, I'm not on the Peloton yet. Uh, I've been doing a lot more Supernatural, uh, as people might expect, given that I'm a VR guy. But, but what's interesting is people get attached to a specific instructor. Like I know who Alex Tucson is. Why do I know who Alex Tucson is? I don't know, but like, apparently, a lot of people do. Uh, that's a you know. So so the, the, you're right. The, the Broadly speaking, education was the way I was, it's like, you know, there's, yeah, you want to do, uh, you want to be fitness, you want to be a better cook, you want to be more mindful, you want to have, you know, uh, it's a, like, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting yeah. skill set. It's one that can be delivered digitally, really effectively, communities naturally built there. Yeah. I did a painting class over the, the pandemic. I did it twice. We did a painting class. I saw class.
1: your pictures. They were good. Um,
0: they were not good. You <laughs> it good. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's very kind of you to say. But Fiji, just for my listeners, is lying. It was actually quite was painting with acrylic for the first time is not for not for the the week of heart. But no, but it was, I did it over. It was cool, man. She, you know, she was on Zoom. I was on a portal, which is great because we had actually three of us there my, my wife and a friend who had been uh, sheltered in place with us. We're all doing this painting class together. It was really fun.
1: Oh, you know, another thing I didn't mention is spirituality. Um, Mm. There's a lot of creators that are in the inspirational space, but also faith. Like we saw a massive rise of live streams from faith organizations during the pandemic uh, as people wanting to, you know, obviously get access to the sources of support that they get from faith. And so I, I do think there's something really interesting there as people need to build more resilience in general. We talked about mental health, but inspiration and spirituality, is another, um, another category that we're seeing rise.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you, I mean, this, this to me um, gets back to that point I made about like we all, I think many of us are worried about the collapse of local institutions over the last 50, 60 years. And uh, the church, you know, was an anchor point in a lot of communities that is in some communities uh, kind of lost its gravity. You know, local clubs and, and physical clubs that just bound to a local community. I do wonder if if there is a path forward for them. I, the fact that you know the point that you're raising about faith-based organizations um, and the success that they're having uh, in the kind of creator space is, yeah. is a really is a promising path back as the tool as the tools that changes.
1: Yeah, um, I think I think they're using live a lot, obviously, because they have content to broadcast live. But also, uh, there's a you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of faith leaders. They are the fundamental community leaders. They know how to do that better than anyone. Uh, totally. that's, that's literally yeah. the job. <laughs> like That's literally what they do. And so uh, now it's just a matter of them understanding the tools and us making it easy on them. But I do believe that there's huge potential there uh, for people feeling, especially people who are, you know, uh, who would tend to be isolated otherwise, being able to have access to these communities and be able to, uh, to connect that way.
0: Yeah, you know, I'll take a little biographical note on this and say, you know, my, we were at a young age. I was raised in a congregational church um, in Antioch, California, and uh, the minister, the pastor, was my my best friend's stepfather. Uh, was the pastor Ron Weaver? He's also years later he married my wife and I, and we're still very close to to the whole family. Um, and man, it was just an amazing community. Uh, you know, from a young age, you could recognize. It. I think we we left we moved when I was seven or eight years old, but it was an amazing community. Um, and a mutual support, you know, if someone needed food, they were the house, the food was, it was, it was a very cool community and, you know, obviously it was faith-based. It was, it was in the Christian tradition, but it was really about that community. And we moved to a Protestant, when we moved into we a Protestant church, I won't name it to shame it, but like, and there was just no sense of community. It really, it was, um, it wasn't about mutual support, <laughs> you yeah. know, it was, it was a very different vibe. And I, I, as a nine-year-old, I think I stopped going to church because of that as a nine-year-old. And I, I suspect I wouldn't have stopped if I'd grown up in that tradition, but I grew up in this community-based tradition. And then I just like, this is just me going to get preached at. And that's not what I was there for. So I do, yeah, there, for me, at least, and I suspect I'm not alone in this, like that was such an important piece that, that when it was lost, I, I honestly couldn't even relate anymore to what was going on uh, at that, at that church. Um so, you, yeah, th- you
1: said something super interesting there where you said like, you know, it was a community, we were bringing food to people who needed it and, and communities do things together. And I think yeah. a big part of what has happened online so far is that communities have been mostly about content, like people sharing content, connecting, answering questions, etc. I think the next step is really community organizing. Yeah. And how do you use online communities to do things together that have impact in the real world? And uh you know, again, community uh, spiritual leaders have done that for ages, but I think we need to give digital tools to all community leaders to do more things in the real world.
0: Yeah, I love that you're owning them. It's one of our biggest critiques, I think, of, of people who, who look at the work that we've done. They say, hey, you know, you did this. I don't think we did this. I think this was a, a, we. you know, I'm sure we didn't help. It was on the path. I wonder if we can actually use these tools to fix Ford, which yes. of course is very much in the Facebook and technology way. We get criticized for that, um, you know, a man with a hammer and I, I get all that. But I do think uh, we're starting to see the other side of it now. We are starting to see that piece. Yep. Um, for me, you know, when I was, in, I went to public school and uh, I remember we, you know, we did the kind of dead white male European tradition of liter- uh, literature, literature, um, and, At the time, we were starting to question, even the mid-90s, we're starting to kind of question, hey, this doesn't seem like a very inclusive or comprehensive (laughs) set of literature. And the point that was brought back to us by our teachers was always cultural literacy, cultural literacy. If everyone learns these same books, then everyone knows these same books. And then anyone who wants to reference those books, you'll always know the reference. Yep. Um, And it feels like that's completely shattered. Now, old people have always looked at young people's music and said, nah, you know, not for me. Actually, I like young people's music for what it's worth. I'm cool. I'm hip. I'm totally with it. (laughs)
1: Sorry, cool um, people don't say they're cool, but no, I know that's
0: that's the that's the tell that's the tell. Anyways, but but like I don't, but but what's crazy is we're not even looking at the right channels. We're like you know yeah. at least you know it was like before it was like radio and TV. Now it's like the, it's the explosion. It's impossible to even keep up. The, the cultural literacy point is another one that I think we just have to navigate. Like we're just it is going to be broken from now on. I'm going to spend more of my time hearing about an, someone who somebody else loves and be like, tell me about this person, like, tell me what they do. Because like, I have no reference. I'm not, that seems healthy, actually, you know? I, I don't know. There's, there's something good about that. I I feel like I'm going to explore more.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think there's also something about the speed at which these uh, trends happen. Because, like, yeah, you know, even if we didn't have the same references as the next generation, at least the next generation had, like, things that they could refer to for a long time but if you look at like trends on tiktok it's like within one day like the thing that was massive is gone and there's a new massive thing and so that speed is also crazy within the same group of people and generation and i don't think we're used to that so yeah i think that's that's something important that we're gonna have to figure out here
0: I agree, but I, you know what's funny? I think you'll you'll relate to this. Is for people of of our generation, and I'm being generous. Actually, Fiji's younger than me, I think. So, um, but, but but people of the broader sense of generations that we we're a part of, um, for people of our generation, we always had this. It was inside jokes, right, on group texts and and threads that we were on in college and and whatnot. Like, you know, there's certainly with me and my friends. Like, we have these kind of funny moments that laugh that last yeah. and are like all we can do for a little while, and then they pass. It's just like, that's now happening at a global scale. Yes. It used to only happen in these, in these small groups. So I can not relate to it. And yeah. I think when I talk to old people <laughs> like myself, uh, this is like, this is the reference I give them. It's like, didn't you have inside jokes in college? Like, yeah, well now we have like global
1: inside worldwide jokes, inside jokes.
0: <laughs> like, we have, and they're like, that's... they're only funny because you're there at that moment. They're not yeah. really funny two years later. They're like only, it's just like, while everyone's doing it, it's fun. Then when everyone's not doing, it, it's not fun anymore. Yeah, um, that, so anyways, I like that. Let me let me transition us to the second deep dive here. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a bridge uh, between the two. I want to talk about parenting, something that, and and kind of and leadership lessons in parenting. It's something that the two of, the two of us uh, both have written about and talked about. Um, let me. Uh, there's a bridge topic though. Let let me. If your daughter came to you, you know, ten years from now, and it's like I want to be an influencer, like I I want I want to be in the content game.
1: How, how would you? React? I think I'd still be worried. The honest thing is like, you know, I don't think it's a, mostly because I don't think it's an easy job. I think you get, you can get a ton of hate and you have to figure out how to navigate that. Like putting yourself out there, especially as a woman uh, Mm. with a public image that comes with a lot of risk. Um, And, and I think, you know, it's, she would be taking a big risk, but, you know, my parents' style is that I would support my daughter no matter what she wants to do. But would I be, would I be scared? Yes, absolutely. Um, and so I do think that there's a lot of things we need to fix in the next 10 years before, <laughs> before I can change this stance on, on, um, uh, yeah, being excited for her uh, at this career choice.
0: Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, I feel the same way. It's better odds than basketball, right? So your yeah. kid comes to you and says they want to play professional sports. Yes. You say, hey, I love that goal. You can work hard at it. You got to have a backup plan. Yes. The odds are just so long. It's better odds than that. It's better odds than becoming a, a star musician. It's better odds than becoming uh, a, an actor in Hollywood, like uh, a working actor in Hollywood. Um <laughs> It's better, it's like, on one hand, I love, we've improved the odds, like, for, yes. for a generation of phenomenally talented people, we've improved the odds that they can find an audience and do something. Yeah, you feel like you're still, I'm still at the point, like, you gotta have a backup plan, like, you also have to major in something that, like, has a, <laughs> has a job <laughs> attached to yes. it if you, if, if you need it. Um, yes. You know, my, my cousin, Trevor Garrett, phenomenally talented musician, was a successful musician, toured for 20, uh, 25, 30 years, successfully, you know, had a, paid, paid for his life, like, was very good, um, talented musician, never quite broke mainstream, but it was niche. Was it a jam band? So it was niche. a niche. Tea Leaf Green had a very dedicated following. One of the earlier niche areas that you could do it was jam band music was jam bands. You know, you get, you have a small dedicated audience that would follow you around very much enabled by the internet, uh, tracking these, these smaller groups as they toured from clubs to clubs. Um, and, uh, and then he's, he's now, uh, kind of on the family ranch. He's, he's farming, he's making growing wine and, and doing grapes and he studied, uh, uh, biology at San Francisco State while he was in his band. So, like, you know, I, I, I would still be in the like backup plan mode for the kids. Like, yep, I fully support you. Also have a backup plan. One thing I do think, though, is the side hustle is growing in prominence and is a cool thing. Uh, like, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of photography. There's never a path. Yeah. Now it's like, you can do a, it's easy. You never had better tools, direct to commerce. Some of the stuff that you, uh, direct to consumer commerce, some of the stuff that you and I have worked on in the past allows people to like, Hey, you can have a job and a side hustle. And if at some point your side hustle takes off enough, that can be your job. Yes. Um, and, and that I think is a very cool on ramp. Um, you know, people have been doing that by waitressing. Uh, or yep. or being a, bar, a barkeep or being a bar back or being a whatever. Like that's how people historically had to do it. You had to like do a, a menial job and then side hustle. Your side hustle can be different now. Your side hustle can actually make a little bit of money. Like it's not all or nothing. And I do like that. It does seem like it's still, it's an easier on-ramp for people with those ambitious than whatever came before.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's also there's so many ways to be a creator now. Like it used to be like, you know, you're going to go make videos on YouTube and that's not for everyone. <laughs> yeah. But now now it's like, okay, well, if you don't want to be camera ready, like make podcasts. Uh, totally. There's there's so many, like, if you're a fitness instructor, like create live classes. If you're a coach. Like, so I, I just think that the formats have gotten so diverse yeah. that now like you can adapt uh, the format based on the talent you actually do have. And that helps a lot. And that's why I was so, also so excited about like the rise of audio, because I do think there's a lot of people who are more introverted who do not like to see themselves on camera, but have really amazing things to say. And with audio and, and the, the podcasting industry they can now do that so i think these side ourselves also have like way more varieties that can accommodate for very different types of passions
0: yeah no i love that okay so i want to get back to this parenting topic yes uh, i have a, a couple pieces first of all you know uh, the question i think i get all the time although my kids are still pretty young six and four is like what are the rules that you imagine for your kids in digital spaces? Like, how are you approaching, how are you thinking? And your, your daughters, you know, I don't want to blow you up. Your daughters about the same age as my kids. It's so yeah. it's you're early. What are, um, what are you thinking right now as it relates to being a parent in the digital age?
1: Well, you've got to be precise. Is it like during the pandemic when I was just trying to survive, <laughs> or, or is it right. when, when yeah. I'm trying to be a good parent? Like you've got to be precise. Give me your um,
0: ide- yeah. Give me your idealized point. We'll work exactly, backwards. Exactly.
1: Exactly. I think that's yeah. better. Um, you know. I think for me, it's really not about, like, is she in front of a screen or not? I think that's the wrong way to think about it. I think it's, is she doing an activity that allows her to interact or learn or socialize? And I think all of these are, like, great. If she's really just passively staring at a screen and, and just, like, being entertained... She can have that for a little bit. I have fond memories of my childhood watching a lot of cartoons and I turn that fine. You know, I'm not, uh, I, I don't think that's the end of the world. But uh, the thing I'm looking at most is not screen time. It's really like how much time does she spend talking to the grandparents who are still in France? Yeah. Uh, how much time does she spend doing educational content? Like things like that.
0: Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I get this question so often. And I do agree with you. The screen time thing, I think it's, it's, it's a moral panic of a kind. Uh, yeah. If you don't follow the pessimist archive on Twitter, I recommend it. This the moral <laughs> panics. It's it Once you see the pattern around like novels and bicycles and like all these things that it, like it, you start to recognize yeah. it. And I think there was a moral panic on screen time, but like parenting is relentless. It doesn't matter what happens in the world. You still got a parent. Yeah. So like, you know, when I was a kid, yeah, you know, I've, I've watched uh, Robin hood, the animated Robin hood movie and Swiss family Robinson, like a thousand times. I used to wake up in the morning at like five 30. My parents were like, go do that yes. while we sleep. Yes. I was the youngest kid too, um, and but otherwise, you know, screen time wasn't always that appealing because what was on TV wasn't always that great. Um, and so, like, you know, it's fine for me to romanticize about going outside, but sometimes I was just, you know, that wasn't great either. <laughs> like, I have to tell you, like, yes. And you're, by the way, the some of the content is amazing. You know, um, so our son is just finished kindergarten, and uh, you know, we we read to them. We've been reading to the kids every night uh, forever. We love it; they love it. But we really didn't go overboard on trying to teach him to read at home we figured we'll get to school it'll be fine obviously some parents did and some parents didn't what was amazing to us is but he had been playing this ipad game where you kind of spell words by dragging around and as you drag the letters they make the sound it's the it's not the the letter name it's the letter sound and so as a consequence, you know, early on at school, he was going through the letters and doing all the sounds. And I was like, where'd you learn that? He's like, oh yeah, from that app. And I was like, oh, cool.
1: Great. Like, good it's job,
0: good. app.
1: <laughs> Buzz, you have to send me the name of that app. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. It's it's a it's a good one. Endless ABC. I think it's Endless ABCs. I, to, I, I, should okay. probably, I wish I had it handy. So, um, okay, let me ask you another one. This is one that I, I've written about a little bit on my blog. You since you become a parent, you're five years in, how much do, of your parenting stuff do you apply to management at work?
1: Because hmm. my
0: answer is a lot, and I'm my answer is honestly a lot, but I'm curious to get your take. Well,
1: <laughs> the funny thing is that I feel like I became a good manager before I became a good parent, and therefore right. I applied a lot of my management yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> to, <laughs> to parenting. Yeah. I think I did yeah. it the other way around. Um, totally. But I think, yeah, I think it's a lot because, like, the principles are the same. It's like you need to show care and love and support, and like as you do that, you can also get more out of people and like direct them, you know, to, towards the things that that you want them totally. to do. Uh, I think that applies very generally, and so you know, it's it's more of a way of dealing with people in life rather than management versus parenting, in my mind.
0: Yeah, it's a fair point. I think it's probably the same skill that you take on like a customer support phone call where you're like, I need, I, I'm not trying to be insulting or rude. Like, yep. I care, I care about you as a human and it's great. Also, I want to be very firm that there's like a thing <laughs> yes. that needs to be resolved. So we just got to work through this. Yes. Like you're great. I'm great. We're trying to work on this together. Like, yeah. You got a point you got a thing happening. No, it is. It, it really is. Um, I think it's a fair point. I don't know what it says about my management seven years ago that I've, I've gone the other way and taken a lot of parenting stuff into the management realm, but yeah, you're right. It's like, you're, you're trying to be firm but also show care Yeah. and like those are not incompatible, but they're no. not easy. What I think for me, a lot of it was managing myself, mm. you know, being a parent. Now you're sleep deprived. You're not prioritizing your own food appropriately. Um, and so like your calorie deficit, now you're low on reserves. I know that's a little bit of a, a Controversial statement these days that the the idea that food correlates with energy reserves. But if it's a if it's a false one, please don't disabuse me of it. That's the only way I get to enjoy snacks. <laughs> um, no, so it's, it's been yeah. interesting for me. Like I, I have, I, I really have found that being a, a parent uh, has made me a better manager. I suspect you're right that being a manager has made me a better parent. Although I don't know what the excuse is there because April's still the better. My wife April's still a better parent, and she doesn't manage anybody.
1: <laughs> I think I think there's also something on. Uh, quality versus quantity, you know, like, I, I got, very guilty at some point during the journey on like, whether I was spending enough time with Willow and realized that really, you know, my mom was a stay at home mom. And she told me, like, even as a stay at home mom, I still felt like I wasn't spending enough time with you. So th- there's, there's never a good amount of time that you spend with your kids. And so, really, what I was trying to figure out is like, how do I make the time that I spend with her really count? How do I make it so that it's really uh, moments that her and I are going to remember? memories and, and creating impact during this moment. And it's very similar with teams, you know, like we're all like we all have so much demand on our time. And whenever I have like the 30 minute one on one with my like uh, reports, you know, I make it count. I, I am fully present. I'm there. I am trying to give them all the energy they need from me, all the advice they need from me. I'm trying to hear from them. like, and And so a lot, like you realize that when you adopt that, adopt that philosophy, you end up multiplying your time by quite a lot, rather than running around like you know with your head cut off uh, through your meetings, your parenting, and all of that. So that has helped me with like managing both at the same time.
0: Fiji, I'm not going to top that for parenting advice, so we'll we'll, we'll leave it on that. Let me <laughs> we have we now have a quick fire round,
1: Ooh. Um,
0: and it's customized for you. So we'll see we'll see how you feel about it. Uh, you recently re- uh, received chickens <laughs> for Mother's Day. <laughs> no. Which chicken is your favorite?
1: Oh, so uh, the name is Clue. But let me just explain real quick. The so real problem is that we got two chickens for Mother's Day and then two other chickens later on. But they don't get along. So we have two oh, chicken no. gangs. And okay. so really okay. what we have to decide is which gang are we lining up for. <laughs> so I am for the new ones and my husband is for the old ones. And uh, wow. we're trying to make peace happen. But yeah.
0: I think we should turn this into a TikTok dance battle gang fight. I'm saying, you you and Remy uh, and the chickens.
1: Sure.
0: Um you have been in the US for for a long time now. What is the most quintessential French thing that you miss?
1: Foie gras. Yeah.
0: It's back again by the way. It is legal. It's super tough in California where it's like goes back and forth between being legal and illegal.
1: I mean, um, foie gras is yeah. the best thing. I'm sorry. It's,
0: it really is delicious. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take no bones with that one. Um, let me ask you this: what is a new, what is a, a creator that you're following, listening to, watching right now? Who the people should know about?
1: I love Daphne Springs. She's an awesome comedian, and um, she, you just have to watch her. Go find her on Facebook. She's really fun.
0: All right, I love it, Fiji. Thank you for coming on the program. Uh, you are one of my favorite people to talk to, and this uh, conversation versa. was was no exception. Oh, that's so so sweet. Uh, the uh, is there for me? I think I always tell people, hey, you know, go find this. person. Should people follow you on social media? Do you want that to happen? If you do,
1: <laughs> yes, If please. you do,
0: yes, If please. you do want that, then call out the, your, your handle. If you don't want that to happen, make one up.
1: At at Fiji Simo with two S's uh, on facebook instagram twitter wherever you find me
0: all right well thank you all very much uh, for listening uh, to boz to the future you can always listen to it wherever you enjoy podcasts including facebook thanks very much to fiji and her team uh, any thoughts and feedback you have i'm at Baz Tank on instagram and twitter thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time